Yeah, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on to the show. It's really an honor to have you here. Thanks, Elby. Great to be with you. So quite recently, the world tackled the issue of COVID, not just from the perspective of a disease, but from the perspective of mental health. So can you give us some insight into what people were going through during that time? Uh, I can, Albie. Fortunately, I've got access to some research that was done um, by a, a global psychometric company across 12 countries. Uh, and uh, one of those countries was Australia, fortunately. And uh, the way that it impacted us quite concerningly was that of those 12 countries, Australia was the most impacted. Uh, and that is um, 17% of the people that um, experience COVID uh, experience significant mental health issues post-COVID of the 12 countries that uh, participated in the study. And this was... Um, this uh, 12 countries, it was a working population across most industries like government, technology, pharmaceutical, education, which is of interest to you, mm -hmm. uh, manufacturing and banking. So it was, it was a broad sample of people uh, from across the world. And unfortunately, Australia, Australians reported the highest level of impact of mental health issues post-COVID, which is concerning for us. Would you say this mental health problem was driven by our economic state as well, not just the fact that we were stuck at home? It was, well, the the respondents to the survey, uh, uh, economic issues were uh, were a factor, uh, but it was uh, it was more a matter of the um, the concern about the future in in more global terms uh, and um, concern about um, lack of human contact. Uh, they were the if you think about the how it impacted us, I mean, the, the way that, or the, the, the space I work in, uh, what we do is we, uh, we help people understand their personality and we help them understand how uh, their personality gets impacted by their external environment and like how they think about their, uh, their environment. Um, so uh, the biggest impacts were um, an increase in pessimism, um, a, a decrease in confidence and an increase in uh, introversion, uh, which uh, which together um, are a, uh, an anxiety cocktail, if you like. I mean, if if you're if you're more introvert, become more introverted, you become less confident and become more pessimistic. They the three of those correlate strongly with uh, with feeling more anxious about the present and about the future. Does that make sense, or is that too much of a, a mouthful in one go? No, that, that was actually really good. Just going back to a few points, you said how an environment can really affect the overall mental health. Yes. What do you mean by environment in this case? Like, Is it like from a working perspective, staying at home perspective? What do you mean? It's it's a combination of things. It, it's a working perspective. It's a staying at home perspective. It's a relationship perspective. It's a financial perspective. But uh, when I look at environment, and I'm doing this uh, all the time, Albie. I mean, I'm I'm coaching people every day, uh, four or five people a day, often individually, sometimes in workshop groups. Uh, and when you think about environment, there are 
there's two key distinctions to make. One is what is happening, like what is actually happening around you. And the second is how you perceived what's happening around you. And they're two separate things. You, you've got you've got a you can call it an objective reality, like what is really happening. And the second part is how I respond to what's happening around me. Uh, and uh, often that gap uh, is where the real anxiety can can kick in with people. Uh, like for I'll give you an example. Uh, I mentioned one of the one of the personality aspects that got affected by COVID was a an increase in pessimism. Now, pessimism is quite simply uh, in in coaching psychology terms, it's how you explain the environment that's happening around you, how you explain it to yourself, and how you explain it to others. Right now, you could have the same objective reality or environment, but have an optimistic person explains it differently than a pessimistic person yeah does that make sense yeah it does so it's not not just the environment it, it's how you explain the environment uh just just say for example you uh you're you're coming back from school you're catch you're on a bus it's the roads flooded and the bus really slows down yeah now that's an objective reality uh, how you explain that self is your explanatory style or how you explain it to yourself and other people around you. you. You can think of that pessimistically. You can think about that optimistically. Now, what COVID has done is uh, it's increased pessimism. So it's increased uh, the the negative impacts people are seeing on things around them. They don't trust governments as much. Uh, they don't trust the environment as much. They're much more sceptical. Uh, and they also lead to an increase in anxiety, particularly amongst young people. And we're talking about uh, young people suffering anxiety before COVID at historically high levels. So it was already high, uh, and COVID just bumped it higher. Right. Which is which is concerning. Would you say the levels of pessimism in people are still quite high now that for now at least, COVID has slowed down and we're moving back to what we were pre-COVID? Would you say the pessimism levels are still high or would you say it's going back down pre to pre-COVID levels? It's, uh, it hasn't gone back down to pre-COVID levels, but pre-COVID levels were high historically uh, anyway, uh, for, particularly, particularly for younger folks. They were self-reported anxiety, self-reported depression. If you look at most of the indicators of uh, pessimism they were they were they were picking up anyway and COVID just accelerated that they haven't gone back to pre-COVID levels were high anyway uh, mm -hmm. that's as far as um, our research is is uh, uh, is indicating that's interesting how would we combat this though obviously we need to figure out a way to decrease this pessimistic perspective of this world right or yeah, moving yeah. forward it's going to be quite hard especially the point where you mentioned people are trusting governments less and now more than ever we need to look towards and to leadership to take us out of this hole that COVID has dug us in so yeah. would you say there is anything in place at the moment any workshops like you mentioned before to actually 
combat this? It's a it's a great point. There's a lot of a lot of things uh, being done. If if I if I think what can you do as an individual if you're feeling this way, I'm just going to preface this by saying I'm not a mental health professional, uh, and if you're suffering something uh, like severe anxiety, you should seek like professional. There's plenty of that available for you if you reach out to it. What I'm going to do is give you uh, the advice. I can give you based on the coaching practice that I run, and I'd be delighted to to help you feel better about the environment around you. What can you do about it? There are some specific things you can do uh, that don't require uh, medical intervention. Um, uh, one of them, and that's why I love the name of your um, podcast. Um, it's we aspire, we uh, aspire, inspire, and I love that. Uh, now, the, the, the first the first thing to do is to uh, increase the quality and quantity of your human to human contact. That's number one. Yep. Because what happens when you're anxious or you're you're suffering from a mental health issue? Tend to withdraw from social support, which which is one of the one of the the environment issues, I guess, uh, impacting people that are feeling that way. They tend to withdraw from social support and become more introverted. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't mean social media, social support, uh, social support. I don't mean getting on Snapchat. The I don't mean getting events. on TikTok. I mean, oh, you could think of it. I'm thinking more one-on-one. I'm thinking more one-on-one than going to. I mean reaching out to individual relationships, whether that's family relationships, like with your parents or your brothers and your sisters, or whether it's close friends. Uh, if you are if you are more likely to be introverted, you're likely to have fewer relationships that are deep. Uh, but whether you're extroverted or introverted, uh, the first thing to do is to reach out to people. Not only say, hey, um, I'm experiencing a mental health issue, but just... But just increasing social support. If you look at good positive psychology research, the number one marker of uh, of well-being in a positive psychology sense is uh, is the depth and quality of relationships. That's number one. So, uh, and that's relatively easy to do. Uh, reach out on your phone, call someone, talk to them, meet them for coffee, something that increases your person-to-person physical connection that's really important and that will and you will notice when you're feeling more anxious uh you will withdraw from social support and it's very normal it's a very normal so if you have withdrawn that's normal uh, a normal reaction uh, what i'd recommend is to increase that level of social support if you want to join groups fantastic uh that's good too i'm not uh i would recommend that too but increase your level of social support is that does that make sense yeah it does one of the things you mentioned before is that there was a lot there was lots of high levels of introversion but yes. and now you're saying we should be joining um social groups or going out with more people that introversion yes. that must have stuck with us for quite a bit of time so how would we fight that introversion to get into the social social situations you're asking us to yeah yeah I, i'm just i'm just um i just want to get that distinction clear that I, i'm not i mean when i think about social interaction i think more about groups 
And that's good too. I mean, join a group, like join a class, join a yoga class, join a swimming group, join a karate, whatever the classes are, that's great too. Uh, what I'm talking about one-on-one connection, and you're right, if you think uh, one of the things I mentioned uh, as an impact of COVID was an introversion, so people uh, became more introverted, so they, they got less social support, less social contact. Understandably, a lot of us were isolated, wearing masks, having like physical distance rules, and asking the people, of course that happened, uh, is to... Uh, is to have more of that one-on-one, primarily or ideally. If you're a group person too, fantastic. And if you think of introversion and extroversion, no one is an introvert or an extrovert. It's all. It all depends upon who you're with, how you're feeling, and who the people are. Uh, now, people on the introverted end tend to have fewer one-on-one relationships but they're deeper people more extroverted tend to have a lot more relationships but either way increase that level of uh, of social contact that's and that's really easy to do it's a matter of picking up the phone talking to somebody and just that by itself will help you enormously all right i just want to kind of drift off to a different point here but Sure. Before COVID came along, we were interacting with other people, both in groups and in individuals, a lot more, correct? Would you yes. say that yes. people during COVID have looked for that a lot more than they normally would before COVID? Or would you say it was here and there? Uh, well, the research is suggesting during COVID and COVID impacted or working or at school in different ways. I know uh, my daughters were basically homeschooled for almost a year because um, they were 12. So they suffered from lack of social support from their colleagues. Uh, and uh, my oldest daughter found that to be one of the most enjoyable parts about going to school was seeing friends. So that's uh, that, that impact hugely um so during COVID, most people were impacted by not having as much um social connection and if they did it was it was quite um artificial in terms of being socially distanced wearing a mask people being concerned about being touched there was a lot of concern about human contact understandably because of the messaging we had uh, at the time from the government officials so it it uh, anxiety definitely increased because and that was that was one reason why it increased that's one reason one of many why it increased. Does, does that answer your question, Albie? Yep. So yeah, you said there was um, I believe seventeen countries that participated in the study, correct? 12, 12, 12, 12 countries. My, my bad. Yep. And you said Australia was at the top. From the yes. 12, there must have been a country that was lost. What was it that that last country did that we didn't? I have no idea, Albie. Uh, at the last uh, was Albania. And the second last was China. Although they're experiencing huge COVID issues now. Now, from what I can tell, the lowest countries on the scale weren't experiencing COVID as strongly as the higher companies, uh, countries on the scale. 
like, for example, Australia was high, India was high, Hong Kong was high. I, I'm, I'm guessing that the, the, peak, the countries that experienced the highest were the people that had the highest levels of COVID during the study. Right. It's only taken at one point in time. So obviously we had tougher restrictions, so that would actually play a part to us kind of leading the pact in a way. Yes. In, in a much more yeah, negative yes, way, was. obviously. So yeah. And 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 even that Australia, some places were tougher than others, like the lockdown rules than Sydney did. And um, some parts of Australia or some governments, state governments did policies differently. Even some geography like some postcodes had it worse than others. Like there were yeah. some there were some buildings in Melbourne down for a couple of weeks. People in um in in high rise. I remember the couple of high rise uh, homing estates in Melbourne that were locked down for a couple of weeks. That would be horrific. So it you could almost take it by postcode if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's. I just found it interesting that Australia was the highest. Maybe that was because when the study was done, we had quite um, quite severe. I think I think Melbourne had the the most uh, strict COVID guidelines in the world from memory during that time. Yes, it was, but honestly, I think it was the least effective, though. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's very challenging to say now. I mean, there's lots of different views out there now about the the different restrictions. I think the governments were doing the best they could with information at hand, and understandably, they took the more the more safe option if they locked down. So yeah, and that was the best they could do at the time. But it's hard to be critical of the governments for and how they responded, knowing what we now know. I mean, now I'm living in an environment with no restrictions, no social isolation, no masks. <laughs> so it's it's strange for it to have shifted so much in such a short amount of time. Yep, and the, at the time we're recording this, so I think it was only a few weeks. Ago, I can't remember exactly the time, but Dominic Perrette, our premier. Premier, he kind of just completely scrapped the home isolation rules. So even if you yeah. have COVID, you are allowed to go out. Um, like the most recent example, during Test cricket, one of the players, Matthew uh, Renshaw, he tested positive for COVID, but he was out there on the field, completely fine, not wearing a mask, um, playing cricket. So it's a completely different perspective to what life was like back in two thousand twenty-one when we were actually kind of trapped in our homes. So, yeah, exactly. It, it has it has an impact on us, Albert, because you think, I mean, it has a lot of impacts. It has, you think, well, uh, personally, catch COVID and how bad will it be? Uh, what what about my friends and family, my, my parents, my brothers, my sisters, my, my friends? Uh, what about uh, old economy be? How will working be? Will, will my mum or dad lose their job? Uh, how is it affecting them? It's, it, it, that's, uh, I mean, the other impacts here, there was a, uh, I mentioned already an increase in pessimism, uh, which, which is really about yourself, uh, how you feel and yourself. There was also a, a reduction in confidence, which means a confidence in the external environment about the future. Uh, that that fell. Uh, and uh, there was also, understandably through isolation, uh, people were a lot more introverted. They became a lot less, 
had a lot less social contact. Uh, and uh, they they was some of the inputs into this uh, this this uh, these mental health issues about. Is that does is that clarify things? Yeah, it does. So go, going back to the environment part of our conversation, you said your environment was very important into playing if you were going to be pessimistic or if you were going to be introverted, extroverted, whatnot, right? So yeah, I'm going to create a quick scenario, right? So we're back in 2021, unfortunately, we're stuck at home. Um, yeah. I hate doing this, but this is part of my question. Um, For example, one person in your family or multiple do catch COVID. Do you think the fee in that environment is going to play a massive factor as to your mental situation? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you think about, if I think if I get more specific about um, this, this pessimism and optimism piece, you think about, and you, you can think this yourself and, and people listening can think about this too. Uh, when I think about pessimism, I'm not just thinking I, I feel bad about the future. I'm thinking about three particular questions that you ask yourself. Importantly, the answers that you decide are true. And these, uh, these are really important questions you ask. So uh, a bad event happens, like COVID happens, or a family is impacted by COVID and you're really concerned about them, they're really ill. Uh, you think, well, there's three questions I'm asking from a, uh, a pessimism point of view. Uh, in our business, it's called your explanatory style, how you explain things to yourself and others. Question number one is, um, how long will this last? Right, And the longer you think the bad event's gonna last, the more pessimistic you're gonna think. So if, if you think this COVID is going to impact my family indefinitely. For some uh, people it has. You're at the more, and some people it has, unfortunately. And I've got friends and family that had quite catastrophic COVID outcomes. So I'm not, I'm not trying to um, make this small at all. You think, how long will it last for you or for your family member? That's That's question number one. Now, if I'm a pessimist, I'm going to be I'm going to be looking at the maximum amount of time this is going to last. It's going to last indefinitely. This this COVID, it's never going away. Now, if I'm thinking more optimistically, I'm thinking for uh, the shortest realistic time frame this can last. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes it. That's question number one. Question number two is what else will this impact? So I'm thinking, what else does this impact? Well, family member has COVID. Uh, it, it's likely to end like really badly for them. It's going to impact my family. Uh, we're going to lose. We're going to uh, have to leave school and start working. Uh, there's going to be a lot of impact. It's good. I'm going to catastrophize the outcomes. This is all in my mind, by the way. I'm just thinking this way. I'm thinking uh, catastrophe. Uh, and uh, catastrophic thinking is a, is, a, is a marker of being anxious. So if I'm pessimistic, I'm thinking it's going to last a long time. It's going to question number three is who's in control? And uh, a more person thinks that bad events are being done to them. 
they've got no control. Right. Whereas someone someone who's more thinks I have control over how I'm thinking about this. I'm always in control. Right. Not to sound like a pessimist or anything, but um, our economy is in well, it's it's chaos right now. So there's going to be a lot of people trying to, especially people graduating, uh, students graduating from university and high school, they're going to be trying to get into work. And at this point, they may be struggling with uh, mental health problems or introversion and stuff like that. So do you think this is going to have a wider impact on our economy solely based on the fact that they might fear going to um, important meetings like um like job applications and whatnot? Well, my answer, my answer as a coach would be that depends how you think about it. That depends how you think about it. You could think very pessimistically about your future re really comfortably. And you are, you are likely to get what you said, Alvi. So the more pessimistically you think, the more likely those pessimistic outcomes will will happen. Like just say, just say for example, I remember when I did, I did the HSC. It was a long time ago, right? <laughs> I did the HSC, and I was really, really worried about whether I'd get a good result and whether I could get to uni because my parents were really keen on me getting to uni. Now I, I thought I can get to uni. Now, if I thought pessimistic, I thought, who's this guy from the Northern Beaches going to Sydney University, doing a law degree, doing a business degree? Smarter guys than me. I'm just not even going to try. I'm not going to. Gonna, that's not me. I'm not even going to bother, right? But I did bother. My worry is a way of studying harder, not studying less. And studying like manically ended up in the top 5% of the state in the HSC, and I got into a, a great law degree at Sydney University. Now, I'm not telling you that to impress you. I'm just saying uh, if you – maybe the economy is – I can guarantee is the harder you work at whatever you do, whether you're a violin player, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're making pies – whether you're working in a factory, the harder you work at what you do, the better your result's going to be. And you'll be surprised at um, how, how you can change the results based on how you're thinking. Because if I think more optimistically, I'm going to work harder at what I do. I'm going to think that amazing things are possible. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of young people in the world that are doing amazing things right now. And and opportunities, particularly with the way uh, social media and AI uh, is working now, you can you can create extraordinary change very quickly. Mm -hmm. And it, and in lots of ways, it's never been so good. Yeah, in many ways. But but I I, I can choose to think either way. I'll be, I I can think optimistically or optimistically. I can think either way. What I can guarantee is if you think more optimistically, this is not, not my opinion, by the way, this is. You, you'll have better relationships. You'll be a better, more effective leader. You're more likely to be wealthier, uh, more successful and happier.
if you think optimistic. No, I'm not thinking, I'm not saying be delusionally optimistic and pretend everything's wonderful because everything isn't wonderful. But if you if you go on the more optimistic end of how you explain things to yourself, your life will be better. I can guarantee right. it. Yep. 12 years of good positive psychology has found this again and again and again and again. So how do we bring this optimism into our lives? We're, we're kind of in like a very negative time. Life may be quite boring now or may be kind of, you know, bumping back up to where we were. So how were we supposed to bring this optimism back or bring it in if it never was then at all? How, how do you, how do you uh, think more optimistically? Is that what you're asking me? Basically, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, easy. Um, step number one is take extreme personal responsibility. What do you mean by extreme personal responsibility? I, I mean, like, when you wake up tomorrow morning or when you go to bed tonight, as you're falling asleep, think, my life is totally under my control. Right. I, I am the master of my destiny. I'm the master of my destiny. Right. Because you are. I, yeah, obviously. That, that's step number one. Yeah. Step number two is is to is to understand that there is a gap between what's happening around you and how you think about it. I, I'd like you to think about uh, watching a movie, right, or watching a Netflix show. Do you ever get like almost transported into that show? Like you watch a movie that you feel like what's happening in the movie. Do you ever feel that? Yeah. Way? Yeah. 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 What's a, what's a movie that you've felt like that? Like you've watched that movie and you've felt like you're in that movie. From what comes to mind, I guess, uh, hmm, I'm going to just throw it out there. The Avengers Endgame film. That was the number one. The Avengers film of all time. Great, great example. <laughs> great movie. I took my son to see it. Uh, yeah. he, he, I had a deal with I, took him to all the Avengers movies because <laughs> he was a, uh, uh, when you're watching an Avengers movie uh, you you get transported into that movie you feel like you're in the movie like uh, if something's uh, happening to Iron Man and he looks he looks like uh, looks like he, he might die you, you get yeah. you think like you feel a bit sad you think I really love Iron Man I don't want him to die right you yeah you develop sad, this personal connection with these characters that I yeah, guess you do. Um, you've been watching since your childhood. Some of them may even be your heroes, quite literally. So I guess that plays a factor in it. Yeah. E exactly. You, you, you quite literally feel connected to the characters. Or when, when Loki tricks Thor, you think, oh, you know, that's, I hate when that happens. You feel like real almost anger against Loki for tricking Thor. Now you feel that way in that movie, but that that movie is an illusion. The movie is on a screen, but you're you're feeling as if it's real. Yeah. Now, what you're experiencing when you're when you're experiencing a movie you feel like is real is you're experiencing what's called narrative transportation. You're being transported into the story of the movie, and there's a lot of very well paid scriptwriters and movie makers that know how to do this really, really well. They're transporting you into the movie, feeling like they want you to feel in that movie. Christopher those, Nolan those does that have... very well. 
Yeah, they're done brilliantly. And and that's why they get paid so much. That's why yeah. actors and directors, screenplay writers get paid so much because they're so good at doing this. And we pay for that experience of being transported into that movie. Now, you're being transported into that story. There's a lot of good science around uh, storytelling and how you get transported into a story. Now, why am I telling you about movies and stories? Because your life is like a story. And what's happening around you, sometimes you can get transported into it as if you're in it, but you're not in it. You are observing it. Like when COVID's happening, you're not in COVID. You're experiencing COVID. And uh, the, the second thing I'm going to suggest to you is remember there's a gap between What's happening to you and you? There's a gap. Yep. And in that gap, you can make a choice about how you think about that, how you right. think about what's happening around you. Not just how you think, but how you approach that event that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How you approach it. Well, how you approach it is how you're going to think about it. Like if you hear a knock on the door and you think it's a friend, you approach the door, you know, ready to hug the guy. It's a mate of yours. If you hear that knock on the door, you think it's a threat, you're going to pull back. Yeah. So like how you how you describe what's happening and what you decide is true is then going to impact what you do about it. Yeah. Can you see what I mean? Yeah. Do you think yeah. people have a tendency to choose the negative more than the positive? Because I guess the human emotion of fear is basically the first and only emotion we have towards the unknown so do you think as yes. humans we would yes. naturally choose uh, the negative absolutely we do we do uh, it's um it's the stress response uh it it's in in our old brain in our amygdala at the back of our head and our brain stem so before all these like prefrontal cortexes got developed in our brains we started thinking the more in a more sophisticated way, we had fear in our amygdala. You, you can imagine, you can imagine a few hundred thousand years ago, we're in a cave. Uh, our family and our friends are in a cave, uh, and there's a bear outside the cave. Now, uh, that that amygdala kicks in the stress response, and we work out whether we're going to fight that bear or run away from it. Classic fight or flight. Yeah. Now. We are ancestors of a generation of of uh, primitive people. The, and fighters, mostly. They're the, the, the mostly flighters, not fighters. They mostly ran from bears, not fought them. Yeah, yeah. Fighters, yeah. that's what I said. So we did more running, we did more flighting and fighting, which means uh, our amygdala, which is where, where the, these stress feelings originate from, we're hardwired to run from what we're afraid, what we think we're afraid of. So you're right. Well, we are hard. We're we're hardwired to uh, to respond to uh, mental fears or mental anxieties as if they're physical stressors, and we run from them. We withdraw from them, which is part of withdrawing from social support. So we withdraw from social support. There's Peter, I'm losing you. I can't hear you. 
Hira Yuza. Ooh. Uh, I just lost you there. Can you um just go back? Go back how far? Uh, about 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Um, how far back is 10 seconds? So how, you would how so you were just at the end of the fight or flight response. Uh, it's in us all. That's stress response is in us all. And uh, we react to we react to uh, mental health or uh, emotionally challenging situations as if they're a physical threat. So it's it's a feeling it's a feeling uh, that that we have, and we we all share it. If if you feel scared or stressed, that's normal. There's two sorts of people: people that feel scared and people that lie about not being scared. Yeah. So this kind if, of everyone um... everyone feels stress. Everyone does. Yeah, so this brings us back to the pessimism, optimism part. So, like, if we're more optimism, we'll probably not fear things as much. But if we're more pes uh, pessimistic, we will. Yeah, exactly. If we're if we're stressed, if we feel stressed, we will we will will feel more pessimistic, and we'll run away from what's stressing us. Yeah. So. Would you say that if something is stressing us out, would you say we fight it and make something good out of it? Or would you say, all right, you know what? I'm going to give up. I'm going to maybe take a different route to get to the same place. Yeah. Back uh, to extremes, Albie. Fight it or give up. <laughs> like two, two extremes. Yep. I, I wouldn't recommend either. I wouldn't recommend fighting or giving up. I wouldn't recommend. What I'd recommend, uh, firstly, is to stop. Just stop. All right. Interesting. That's uh, first thing I do is stop uh, and uh, find a quiet place, like away from whatever's stressing you or whatever is making you anxious, like whether that's in your bedroom or in your lounge or somewhere where, or in a rock somewhere or a bush track somewhere close to you where you live, <laughs> where you can just sit quietly, right? Wow. That's an excellent example. Why? Why? Why is it an excellent example? Well, I mean, in Australia, the bush kind yeah. of defines us, but it is something most people rarely visit or go to. Yeah, the the bush is a great place, and a we feel that for some reason. It's part of our culture, but and like outsiders that don't really know the Australian culture, they know us as the people of the bush. Yet it, we are so far from it. Peter, is that? You know, you're just saying, talking about the bush. Yeah, yeah. Did you lose me? Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you 100%. I mean, getting in nature is very cool. Whether it's, I mean, uh, I understand where, where you live, there's a lot of bush around you, right? Where, where I live, there's a lot of ocean around me. Yeah. Uh, along, along, along my coastline. Whether it's bush, whether it's ocean, whether it's stars in the sky, whatever nature is around you, uh, find yourself in nature, outside, if that's possible for, from where you live, and find a place where you can sit alone. You can feel you can, a safe place where you can sit alone. Right. And and just see whether you can uh, uh, find some space in your thinking 
between what's happening and you. And th this might sound a little bit weird, but uh, I'd like to think of yourself as someone watching an Avengers movie and the Avengers movie is whatever's happening around you. Right. Whether it's COVID, whether it's a relationship problem, a family problem, a health problem, whatever it might be around that's making you feel stressed. A mean friend, people at school that aren't being nice to you, not connecting with your family, your parents as well as you'd like to. There's something stressing you, right? It happens to us all. And just see if you can create some space between you and what's happening, whatever that stress or is. And, and you'll find some space. And the more stressed you are, the harder it is to find. If you can't find it, that's good. That means you're stressed. And and part of part of being in nature and being settled is it will help you find that space. But like, I mean, one of the things I have um, I, I buy when I travel around the world is snow cones. You know what a snow cone is? Those things you shake up. Yeah, yeah. Have you yeah. seen those? Like yeah. little little like little domes of water like and snow. And you shake like, up the snow. Yeah, yeah. And there's like like a little city or like a little person in there yeah, that yeah, kind exactly. of is a de yeah, defining yeah. characteristic of where you went. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, when you're stressed, it's like having that snow cone really shook up and all the snow, you can't see anything very clear. Then you put it down, all the snow settles and you can see things more clearly. Yeah. So when you do that, when you see things more clearly and you're more settled, and if you can learn a little about simple meditation techniques and they're easy to find online or, or elsewhere, just sit and, and attempt to find uh, you as an observer of what's happening. Yeah, not in not in what like not being in the Avengers movie, but watching like imagine you're in a cinema watching what's happening, right? Or you're sitting in your lounge room observing what's happening, and in that space between you and what you're observing, you can start making different decisions. Yeah, and one of the things most people do after a film is that they discuss what went wrong, what should have happened, and what not. Exactly. So yeah. I guess we should kind of take that approach and say, all right. Like I would do in a movie after the movie finishes, I would discuss this, I'll discuss this. Maybe I should take the same idea and do it with my life. That's what you're saying? Exactly, exactly. And yeah, and remember, uh, or just remember to remember that you're the observer. You're not in the movie. You're observing the movie. And and right. you can make different choices. And, and uh, in, that, in, that, in that choice is your freedom. Now, this idea has been uh, not, it's not my idea. It's an idea uh, that um, originally came from two different people, uh, Nelson Mandela and Viktor Frankl. Nelson Mandela quite famously spent most of his life in Roby prison. Uh, and he was asked when he was released uh, in South Africa, how did you endure that? And he said, I endured it because uh, it, no, even when I was in solitary confinement, I could find the space between what's happening to me uh, and me. Uh, Victor Frankl, you may not have heard of him. He's a, a concentration camp survivor uh, who was a uh, happened to be Jewish during the Second World War. He was interned in a concentration camp, uh, and he talked about this space. He said, "How do you how do you survive this concentration camp?" He had his uh, his parents killed, his wife was killed in in concentration camps. He survived and wrote a great book called "Men's Search for Meaning." He talked about this space. He said, "In that space is your freedom. That's where your freedom is." And you can make different. You can make different choices. I mean, right. there's, there's rarely a situation that happens in your life where uh, it compels you to do something. You can think differently, make different choices. And what I, I'd suggest is, of the options available to you, make the more optimistic choice right. of the realistic options available to you, and and be and be uh, 
uh, you'll be sh shocked at the outcomes. You'll be yeah. shocked at the outcomes. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Is this getting too deep? Because I, I, no, I'm, I'm one of those guys that like I'm enjoying this. No, this is this is really good. So now it's 2023. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It is. So COVID <laughs> came around 2019, 2020. It's been a while. So yeah. now that we've transitioned out of, kind of transitioned out of this COVID stage, where do you think people are at with their work, with their mental health, with everything right now? Do you think we're, you know, improving or do you think we're still kind of in that COVID jelly that we're stuck in? I think we're improving. I think we're improving it and we're just resettling. We're just like like find, finding a new normal. Do you think we're doing I it think fast enough though? Well, it's up. It's up to you, Alvi, How fast it is. I mean, right. if if I, I mean, question number three I, I talked about earlier was who's in control, and uh, a damaging way to think, in terms of your mental health, is to be thinking constantly that somebody else is in control, right. and someone else is in control that's either bad, or evil, or they don't know what they're doing. Now, if that I kind think of that, happened to us during COVID, when governments kind of like this is um, controversial topics like got the governments controlled us, this that they kept us in our homes, exactly. and like and, we need I'm, to get past that. Yeah, a, a lot of people I knew said it was a conspiracy, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of controversy control us, that. We're, we're getting chips put in our in our bodies, and we, yeah. we shouldn't be doing this. Let's sort of track it. I, of, of course, of course, you can think that way, but the question I ask is, how useful is that way of thinking? It's Correct. taking away all my control and it's making me imagine an evil something that is controlling the world that, that not in not in my best interests. Now, yeah. do, I, do I want to think that way? Is there evidence of that? Possibly. I, I see people on YouTube and TikTok that are conspiracy theorists and, that's, and they can have the conspiracies. Now, what I'd suggest is don't think that way because it's it's not good for your mental health. It's not good. I mean, broadly, it's not good for your 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 future, because All because right. you are when you're acting more pessimistically, you're going to be uh, more depressed, uh, less confident. You're going to take less action. Your relationships aren't going to be as good. You're going to be more lonely, be less successful, less wealthy, and less happy. So go ahead and choose that way. I mean, find a happy conspiracy theorists. You won't find one. They're all angry and unhappy. <laughs> they're angry and they're unhappy because they believe in conspiracies and the world is conspiring to do bad things for you. If you believe in a conspiracy, believe in a conspiracy, the world is conspiring to do me good. Believe in that conspiracy because that's what's true. That is, a, uh, I want to quote you on that one. That's That was really good. <laughs> I, that's I really what I believe. That that's, uh, what I believe is the world is conspiring to do me good. And I'm looking yeah. for ways every day of how the world is conspiring to do me good. That is a very optimist, optimistic view of life. That is very good. Well, I'll give it to you for free, Alvin. You can take that one for free, right? Thank you so much. Um, I'll, I'll yeah. Just say, I'm, look, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I believe the world is conspiring to do me good. Wow, that's really good. I want to just shift away from COVID real quick and move into sure. a more broader... I guess broader topic that affects us all every day 
whether we like it or not, and that's technology. What impact do you think technology is What's having on us? This? Sorry? I, I didn't hear the question. Sorry, Alvi. Oh, right. So um, I'm just moving away from COVID and into technology, which is something that affects us more broadly, whether we like it or not. And my question was, um, how does technology affect us every day in in, a, in the mental health perspective? Well, it's making you more anxious. Simple. But how, though? Doesn't, doesn't technology help us connect more socially? Things like Zoom, FaceTime, um, just which was really in use during COVID. Uh, yes, uh, uh, Zoom, etc. That's definitely that definitely is helping us. Is helping us. Uh, when I think about when I think about social media and technology, when I think about social media and. I grew up in an environment where there was no social media, the zero. So I, I can compare no social media, and I've I've got five children, and they're all big social media users, right? All right. Uh, I, I I can see that I can see I can compare both worlds. My concern with with so called social media is that it's anti social media. It's 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 like calling Coke a health drink. It's like calling right. McDonald's health food. It's not health food. And it's not social media because it's not making you more social. It's making you more anxious. Yeah. And I'll give you I'll give you two reasons why it's making you more anxious. Yeah? Yeah. Reason, reason number one it's making you more anxious is that you're talking to people less. Yes, there was an Apple research that's been done going back to 2006 and they looked at the average length and number of phone calls made from Apple mobile phones, from iPhones, and they found that both the number of phone calls and the length of the phone calls has reduced consistently since 2006. So making less phone calls, and we are, uh, and the phone calls are reducing in, in length. Now, why that concerns me is because... Uh, my positive psychology coaching tells me the more conversations we have, the more mentally healthy we are. And what also concerns me is more recent research says that uh, almost 80% of mobile phone users now uh, are on um, short form video. Yeah. Like YouTube, TikTok, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, now, what concerns me about that? And why I call it unsocial media is that uh, uh, when you're feeling anxious, your amygdala likes um, the the short um, the short hits of dopamine you get from watching a lot of quick videos, mm -hmm. and it's 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 actually making them more anxious. Wow, that's number one. Uh, num number two is the way the algorithms work on your favorite social media platform. I won't pick on one, but they're all the same is they will they will dish up more of what you already know and what you already watch. Yeah. So if, if you if you like cricket, if you like test match cricket, you'll just get more test match cricket. If you like watching, <laughs> yeah. if you're thinking conspiracy theories, you'll get more conspiracy theories. 
Yep. If like me, you like ocean swimming, you'll get more ocean swimming videos. So all it's doing is reinforcing biases yeah. and and feeding us a dopamine hit, which and both of those things aren't great for your mental health. So that's basically just stopping you from gaining new perspectives, basically. Exactly, fresh perspectives. And if, if you think about there's a, a great idea in positive psychology coaching called the wisdom of the crowd. And what you'll find is that um, the smartest decisions are made by diverse groups. And what do you mean by diverse the, groups? Well, a diverse group is people that think about things differently. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So if you want to make smart, you want to make a smart decision about something, about anything, uh, get input from diverse groups. Like listen, listen to diverse points of view. And like, if you look at the highest performing public listed companies in the UK. The research there suggests the more diverse the board is, the more the uh, equity or shareholder value rises. It's it's classic wisdom of the crowd thinking. So the more diverse the group is, the, the more diverse you can, uh, within, within reason, of course, the more diverse opinions and perspectives you can get, the smarter decision the group's going to make. So it's, it's not good for your mental health to be constantly... Uh, being reinforced with exactly the same opinion. Right. Uh, that's why I don't think it's a great idea. Cool. Should I turn my video off too so we get a more stable? Yeah, yeah. So what else can I help you with, Alvi? Well, I think that's that's about it. Fantastic. Thank you so much well, for coming I on. Absolute pleasure. And uh, uh, hats off to you for running a podcast like this. I, I admire you greatly. I think it's an awesome thing for you to do. And Thank ideally, I've, I've said something in this uh, conversation with you that will help help people listening uh, feel better about their mental health and a couple of simple tools they can use to, to improve it. But if they're suffering real issues, what I suggest is like see a, a qualified medical professional. Yeah. And as you mentioned, people have been more pessimistic and more introverted so there's that you know negative stigma and that fear to actually go to um mental health professionals to seek help because they feel as if they're going to be judged yeah, exactly. but exactly it's but quite like ironic, you mentioned yeah it, this is our story and, and this is and we control our story so yeah, there's exactly. a lot of things to take from here and and the world is conspiring to do you good yep <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Absolute pleasure, Alvi. Bye. See ya.